I'll confess, I'm a bit of a, a bit obsessed by grocery prices. I often buy things on sale. I like to figure out how much things cost. It's just one of those things. I think it's probably because I'm doing my own grocery since I was about 15 or 16. <clears throat> so I always thought it was really important to figure out how much things were. But you just like to feel like you're getting a deal, right? So every time I see analytics done on grocery prices, I'm thinking, wow, that looks fascinating to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one came out today. And if you buy meat of any kind, you'll have noticed, as I do, that prices have really jumped over much of the past year. What's behind the meat counter is just more expensive than it used to be. So are you looking for plant-based alternatives because of that? Well, researchers thought exactly the same thing. So they set out to figure out how do those things compare price-wise, meat and plant-based alternatives. Are you getting a good deal if you try the plant-based alternatives? Is it worth looking at now that meat has become so expensive? And the results, well, you'll pardon the pun, there's certainly something to chew on. Joining me now to discuss the report is Melanie Morrison. She is the president and CEO of BetterCart Analytics. The company gathers data on the prices charged by Canadian grocers for tens of thousands of products. Melanie Morrison, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you so much for having me on your show. So I gather, I mean, I think all consumers, if you buy meat, you have noticed just how much the prices have gone up uh, over the last 12 months. We're not imagining that. What, ha- what, what in fact, have you seen uh, from your analytical point of view about the jump in the price of meat over the past 12 months? Well, you're absolutely right, Ben. We have seen an increase in meat prices over the last 12 months. And where we're seeing it predominantly is with respect to roasts. So there would be your prime rib roast, your blade roast along those lines, um, followed by um, bacon. So that would be the next um, highest um, animal-based protein source that would have experienced the biggest jump. And then uh, thirdly, around the steaks. So your round steak and your sirloin steak. So this would, I imagine, that the premise of this study was was to then look at at plant based proteins or plant based alternatives, yes. right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So what we were able to do here, um, my company focuses on the e grocery or e commerce uh, data from a variety of retailers across the country, and being able to capture all of that data and distill it in a way that. Um, then is cleaned up and then we're able to look at it through an analytic lens. Um, So when we have important questions like this and around the protein um, sources and whether it's animal-based or vegetable analog, um, we're able to start looking at some of these differences and how they're they're playing out um, in the contemporary climate right now, vis-a-vis pricing, uh, food pricing and differences there. So we set about to explore whether or not animal-based protein sources were um, less expensive or more expensive than the vegetable analog or plant-based alternatives. So you, I imagine you literally went through the pricing of all of them uh, and came up with some conclusions, which I think may have been somewhat surprising. Yes. Well, on the whole, we saw that vegetable analog uh, products were 38% more expensive than your animal-based protein sources. So this was quite a surprise um, to us as a group, as a, as a team here. And then when we're looking at, so that's the overall, but then when we're looking at the pro, you know, pro- provincial um, differences, there's some um, unique findings there. So we're seeing that the discrepancy between your animal-based protein and your uh, plant-based protein or vegetable analog is um, in Ontario and then Saskatchewan. So 
that's where that discrepancy is the most pronounced. Um, and then where it's least pronounced is Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, followed by Manitoba. So there's some interesting interprovincial um, unique findings here. Did you have, uh, did you manage to get some insight through this as to why that might be? This is a first step. Um, so mapping out all of this, all of this pricing, um, running these analyses, and then I think what we're going to be able to do is drill more um, concretely into the why behind some of these findings here, um, so that we'll be able to um, better understand why these differences are emerging. Still, thirty-eight percent is is a big is a big number. Um, it is. What was at the basis of of that? Where where do those big price differences lie, and and why might it be? <laughs> So the largest um, differences that we have that we happen to see is your chicken nuggets, if you will. So we've got the animal based protein sources versus the vegetable analog um, chicken nuggets. And it's it's the most pronounced there, sort of 100 percent, 104 percent difference uh, between these products. So, um, you know, when we look at this is a this is a product that is often um, used um, to serve families. Um, lots of children love chicken nuggets, so this is a sizable difference, and and could certainly uh, lend itself to some serious decision making by consumers when um, trying to uh, purchase the vegetable analog form. You also, I, I imagine, looked at other um, plant based uh, alternatives, which which are popular, such as burgers, uh, bacon. Yes. Uh, and yes. you saw some big discrepancies there too. Yeah. So there's uh, burger patties. Um, you know, there's about a 71% um, price difference. 71%. That's, that's 71%. to me, that seems, that's just seems huge, but, but yeah, it, absolutely. It does. So, you know, when we look at these differences, there's, you know, the chicken nuggets, burger patties, um, also the meals and entrees. So differences there that we would be seeing. And then the one, the one area, I mean, ground beef, for instance, is up, uh, you know, the difference is 60% there. Um, so on average, um, there's, there's a, there's a sizable difference here that we're seeing on these products um, that were listed and that we covered in the report. So that's something of, you know, that's concerning for sure. Um, and then the one that we didn't was Turkey. Right. So Turkey slices. So those are actually more economical and um, in the vegetable analog form than they are the animal based. Interesting. The the mm-hmm. um, I imagine one of the things, and it was pointed out uh, in the study that, w- that one of the things that can be deceptive sometimes is that the is that oftentimes the plant version uh, comes in smaller packages. So we're, we're, it can be somewhat. You might not notice that you're paying more. Yes, um, that's true. And what we were able to do in our report was actually take the similar sizes. So we were controlling for size across the board when we selected the vegetable analogs, for instance. So we match these out. There's a lot of choice out there in terms of products that are represented in a variety of the uh, major banners across the country. Um, But what we did was we actually um, linked this up by size. So we could control for that in an experimental way, if you will, um, and um, then draw these conclusions. You mentioned um, that this may be, uh, you know, a, a tipping point for some consumers, specifically with the price of groceries going up generally. Uh, mm-hmm. That the high cost of, of these of these products might, in fact, be turning uh, could potentially turn consumers away from them. Yes, that that is a probably one of the largest concerns here. Um, obviously, there are vegetable analog 
um, products and all of the manufacturers that are doing, creating these products for all of the right reasons, you know, um, and in terms of their values and what they're promoting, um, the health and sustainability and environmental um, related issues. And so when you look, though, from the consumer vantage, it's really how they're going to be faring when they see these price increases. So this is a challenge for shoppers um, across the country. Um, you know, when we when we look at that, you know, if they're looking at, at two products, they're similar, um, you know, and looking at the vegetable analog. And if it is, it is a few more dollars uh, per package for the boat, the same amount, then people are probably going to think twice before selecting that off the shelves. Um, and then as well, it's hard for some consumers certainly to take that leap to try a new product that is a vegetable analog, for instance. They don't know what it might taste like. They don't know, um, you know, uh, how that will fare with their with themselves or their families and so on. And so just being hesitant then to try it initially. So the lack of familiarity may be playing a role as well in conjunction with the pricing. What other conclusions did the report come up with just in terms of, because obviously there's been a lot of talk over the past few years, at least from a lot of big companies in the food business about trying to get consumers to buy more plant-based products. Um, it seems to me that where part of the problem lies is they're trying to recreate meat. And that seems to be a, a, a bit of the, at least what the way you looked at it, it seems to be a bit of the problem here. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, in terms of that, um, the intention behind the companies obviously is sustainability, environmental, um, you know, related issues there that, that they'd be bringing to the public. Um, but sometimes consumers are, are, can be a little confused about it. Sometimes they can't be, you know, it depends. Um, I think the, the jury's out though, whether or not we're going to see an increase in the consumer numbers that are are moving toward plant-based in the future. Certainly there's a lot of support around the development of plant-based or vegetable analog products. Um, so we could see more on the market, but I think it's going to be incumbent upon the manufacturers of these products to really double down in terms of making their presence known um, and really educating the public about what is in the products and how they're going to taste fantastically. And then, and then, um, you know, try uh, to the best of their ability to offset that that elevated cost per per product. Right, because when you read between the lines right now, really what you're seeing is that these items are essentially still luxury items to some extent for the average Canadian family. Yes, and I think there is certainly um, a swath of people, you know, the mass, uh, the majority here that would view it that way. And so that could be part of the retail shelving, you know, that they just do not stop by and do not look at and explore. Um, so they may be attracted if there's a sales sticker there, you know, that may move the consumer, turn their card around and weave back. But, but nevertheless, um, I think it's really going to be the, you know, um, important for uh, these corporations to, to look strategically at how they can make these products accessible for your everyday consumer. So quickly, Melanie, what, what do you do with the data now? What do we do with the data now? So we, we will have this. These are queries that we can always run and we can continually update them. Um, we have in our data store over 3 billion products. And so we um, pull in about 28 million new pricing records weekly. So there's a continual, um, 
there's a massive opportunity here to start answering these questions that the public have in place and to be using our data for good here to um, better inform people and, um, you know, answer these important questions in the minds of Canadian consumers. Melanie Morrison, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ben.